There are moments, there are moments in our lives that kind of crystallize in our brains, right? You know what I'm talking about. Great moments, good moments, moments of great joy and excitement that just, all it takes is to think about it and we can go there, we can see that moment. But there's also painful moments that can crystallize in our minds as well. And one of the ones that I think is the most poignant, the most painful, the most gripping is the feeling of being alone. And it's a weird one, isn't it? Because it can strike us whether we're surrounded by people or really all alone with no one else around us. I can still clearly see a moment that that happened to me. I was at the youth gathering in Atlanta in 1998 surrounded by like 20,000 other youth that believed exactly what I did, uh, all there with me, all there to have fun and to celebrate the love of God in Jesus Christ. And I remember this moment that just struck me where I just felt completely and utterly alone in a place that I should have felt loved and accepted and, and part of something bigger than myself. And yet in that moment, I remember that feeling of aloneness. And I think it's one of those things that it hits all. And I think one of the reasons that it's, it's so challenging for us, that feeling, is that it's in that feeling that we're, we're questioning our value and our worth. And what is life about and who am I? And so modern sociology and psychology has come up with an answer for this problem, and that didn't want to be too harsh, so I wrote it down. That answer is self-esteem. Self-esteem reflects a person's overall subjective emotional evaluation of his or her own worth. It is a judgment of oneself as well as an attitude toward the self. And okay, I get it. I see where it's important, all that stuff. But to me, it, it, it just doesn't seem like it measures up. Well, why do you feel about, good about yourself? Well, because I do. Well, why? And what I believe is that we all, we all need an evaluation, a, a, an appraisal, uh, an assurance from an outside source someone outside of us to tell us that we are of worth, that we are of value. And so the thing that, that wells up, I think, within all of us is this desire for the love and admiration of others, particularly the love and admiration of those that we love and admire most. It is the most prized reward above anything else in a person's life is the love and admiration of the people that you love and admire. And so we, we search for that, we, we long for that, we look for that. We look for our, for our spouse, uh, from our parents, from our peers. And I think we as people are willing to go to great lengths in order to get it, aren't we? And I think that's one of the reasons that our lives are kind of marked by milestones. And there's nothing wrong with milestones, but we kind of go a little bit crazy about going after them, Right? 
We, we celebrate them a little bit overboard, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't celebrate them. I think celebrating, you know, eighth grade graduation and high school graduation and college graduation are great things, or, or a wedding, and all those things are, are great things. The wedding thing's kind of a little bit different, but we all look at them kind of the same way, like, okay, once I get this thing, once I have this accomplishment, then life's going to be different. And then everything's going to be good because I'm going to be able to look back and I'm going to be able to say, look at what I've accomplished. Look at what I've done. And here's the thing that I found, at least for myself, is that I wake up after that accomplishment, whether it's a, a race well run or um, a graduation, and I'm still the same dude. Like, okay, yeah, I accomplished this and I did these things, but still the same person. I'm the same person that I was yesterday. I've walked across the stage, I've got the diploma, but I'm the same person. So as we were sitting, you know, we just got back from Mexico, and after we finished the build, uh, Kyle Duport, one of the teachers here, and I were sitting in the room with Mark Swanson, who's um, just a construction guy from Wisconsin, and uh, that was a church we team up with when we go on this trip. And um, we're just kind of talking about different stuff. And it was kind of incredible because he said, you know, it's not about the milestones, it's about the moments. It's about how you live each and every moment of your day. And I think sometimes we spend all our energy shooting for this milestone in the distance saying, when I get that, then it's going to be good. And his wisdom was, and this is, he doesn't have any theological training or anything, just you know, being a church guy and going through life and hard stuff. He says it's about the moments. It's about what we do in and out, day after day, with the people that we love. How we treat the people that God has placed around us. It's about living in those moments that form who we are, that, that make up something great, rather than achieving the milestones. But the thing is, is we search for it and we look to these people that God has placed in our lives and I think that we as people have a tendency to look in the wrong place or at least that's what Scripture says to us. See, the thing that Scripture says is that we've, we've always had that thing. We've always had that thing that we're longing for, that we're looking for, that we're striving after as Christians. We often just don't realize it, don't understand it, don't fully grasp what it is and what it means to us. And so I'd like to take you to our, our text for this evening. It's John chapter 15. Uh, the beginning of this chapter, Jesus talks about being the vine and how, how all of our sustenance, everything to maintain our lives comes from him and how we look to him and can only draw from him and he is the thing that supplies our each and every need. But then he continues on here in verse 9 and says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that your joy may, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for one's friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, my Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Did you catch that? It doesn't say go search for the love, go find the love, go, go get it. It says remain in it. The, the love that you need, the connection that you need with the Father is yours through baptism, through faith, through the grace of God in Jesus Christ for you, and you don't have to do anything to get it. You already have it. In other words, Jesus is the source of everything good that comes into your life. He is your shelter in the time of trouble. He is your place of refuge. But the thing is, is that we as people, and this is why I think he, he says that word, why he challenges us with that word remain, is that we have this tendency to want to, to look for it, to want to find it in other places. It's like looking for fresh water in a broken cistern. Coming back from Mexico, I know a little bit about broken cisterns, and you shouldn't drink the water that comes out of those cisterns anyway. It's not drinkable, bad for you, at least for us. Very sick, not good. So, but, but these cisterns, you fill them up, you have to get them filled every week because most of them leak. And that's the truth about looking for this living water, the living water that is found in Jesus in other places, is that it runs dry, it runs out. Those other places that we could go to will give up on us, will fail on us. Whether we're, we're looking for it in, in love or in success or money or power, all of those things will ultimately fail you. It's like looking for water, living water in a broken cistern. And so the question that I have for you is as you look at the scripture of this challenge of Jesus to remain in his love. Are you remaining in his love? Are you connected with this source that you need to supply your life with that sense of meaning and purpose and value and worth? Maybe to make it really simple, the question kind of breaks down to what are you focusing on with your eyes? What are you holding on to so tightly with your hands? What are those things? And if it's not Jesus, if it's not Jesus, it's going to let you down. So how, how do we do this? How do we remain in his love and, and keep our hearts, our, our souls to, from wandering to other things? A couple of, of quick suggestions. Take home our text for today. 
Take home the handout that you received on the way in and just read these through the week. Just read them, just look at them and, and ask God, what, is he, what are you trying to tell me in these words? What do you want me to hear of your love and who, I, who you are to me and who I am to you? Or get the Bible app. Bible app is, is another one. We all spend a lot of time holding on to our phones tightly. Why not do some good with it for your soul? You don't have to use version. Ask a good Christian friend that you trust. You know, hey, what do you use? And as you're grabbing onto your phone, use a, a reading plan that, that can lead you in God's word to help you delve more deeply into who God is and hearing his voice in your life. And, and as I'm giving you these things, go ahead, write them all down. Take them all home. Don't worry about incorporating all of them. If you're doing one, that's great. If you're doing two, that's even better. And maybe take something from this and try and incorporate something else into your life. Uh, third, get a devotion book. This one right here is mine. And um, it's uh, The Songs of Jesus by Tim Keller. It opens up with just a little bit of a psalm. And um, then he has kind of a, a devotional thought. And then he ends with kind of a prayer starter, something to prompt your heart as you uh, begin your prayer to God. And uh, this is kind of the cool way that God works. This is not planned. I didn't, like, go looking for it. You can look right here. It says July 15th and July 16th. And as uh, I'm reading and preparing for this message, uh, talking about the vine, look what comes up in the Psalms. Psalm 108. You have transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. Didn't plant it. And then... Uh, Continues on, watch over this vine, the root that your right hand has planted, the sun that you have raised up for yourself. And he has kind of this devotional thought that I thought was just kind of incredible. How does spiritual renewal take place? Each time God is called upon. The divine name is full, fuller. God is more real, showing a constantly growing crescendo of prayer. Jesus is a true vine. Through him, we can be revived. And then finally, be vulnerable. Ask a good Christian friend in your life, how do you stay connected to God? What is, is speaking to your heart? Um, I shared one of the devotions from that uh, Songs of Jesus with Mike, and he took a picture of it and sent it to his wife, and it really spoke to them. And that's how God's word works. Sometimes it speaks to us, and, and we hear it in a special way, sometimes not. But reach out to someone around you and say, hey, what are you reading right now that's really speaking to your heart? That's where this book that I still need to read came from. Pastor Tim and, and uh, Pastor Mike both recommended this book to me, Ruthless Trust by Brennan Manning. Uh, just as something that, that'll be an anchor for my heart and just the storms of life. But the thing is, is we all have this tendency. This tendency to look for ultimate blessing, ultimate love in all the wrong places. And it's tempting to look at, at people and in great positions, whether it's a pastor or somebody that we look at as a, a spiritual authority and think, you know what, they've got it all together. They've got it all figured out. We don't. 
It's something we're all just figuring out day by day and working at getting a little bit better at each day. You know, one of those people that I think that we might look to and saying, you know what, that person's got it all together would be the family that found an in and out right? I mean, heck, they stamp Bible verses on their cups. These people got to have it figured out. They, they incorporate biblical principles in how they take care of their employees. They do great things in terms of the support and the care and the way that they invest in people. And yet, they struggle as well. And, and so I have a story that I'd like to share with you um, of Lindsay Snyder, who has become uh, the president of In-N-Out and how she had to find the one thing that remains. All right, so we heard you have a little business. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Um, well, I'm currently the president at In-N-Out Burger which was a little mom-and-pop burger stand that started in 1948 and um, grew to be pretty big. <laughs> it's been a part of my life since I was born, I guess, being close with different people that work there. And, you know, it really got introduced into my life when my dad died. After my dad died, there was no way I was gonna be alone. He's gone, so I had even greater reason to fill the void. I got married when I was 18. I'd graduated a couple months before that. You know, it, it wasn't right. I knew that that small, still voice had told me, don't do this, and I did it. And I, I paid the price with a divorce. You can see where Someone that just wants that love and appreciation was getting further and further away from, from what she wanted. I just continued to put up with it. No way could I get divorced again. I mean, how old am I? And I've been divorced a handful of times, really. It was terrible. And it really, it really pushed me. God took me to a place that I'd never been before. And he showed me that in that time where I felt more alone than ever, more of a piece of trash than ever, more of a failure, that he was there and he was ready to love me and fill that void. And he'd been there all along wanting that, but he just needed me to let go of that tangible person. It was my dad first, then it was the next guy. The next guy, I was never willing to just let go to see that God had something better. I was forced to at this time because this was something I couldn't change. This was someone that was throwing me to the curb. I was divorced again and uh, knew it was time to take time away. That time alone was some of my greatest memories with God. It was an alone that was okay because I wasn't completely alone. I had the Jesus that walked on water, healed the sick. I had that Jesus filling that void. 
touching my heart, pouring into who I'm called to be and who he sees me as rather than who I believed I was because of the things I'd done. I really valued the love and good times I had with my dad, but even that can't compare completely to the love that God has for me. It's like, you know, you, you're a little kid riding your bike for the first time, your dad's proud and he's cheering you on, and it's like he helped me learn how to ride that bike, and, and God got me back up after all of these failures, and he can lift me up and see me go forward, and I know that he can be glorified. And riding a bike and a proud dad versus creator of the universe being able to use you is like... <laughs> encourage you to go watch the rest of the video by searching it out on YouTube. But her story's true, isn't it? We as people look for ultimate love, ultimate blessing in all the wrong places. And it often takes an experience of crippling weakness for us to discover it. And that's why so many of the God-blessed people those who have really grasped hold of the love of God in Jesus Christ, limp as they dance for joy. Whatever it takes, find that love. Find that anchor for your soul. Because it is the one thing that will never fail, never run out, never give up. The king of the universe thinks the world of you and wants to use you as his child for his mission, for his glory, for the good of your neighbor. So who cares what anybody else thinks? Amen.